What's going on, everybody? Welcome back in to another installment of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here on the week, we said we would be once again before the weekend. If you guys remember, I said that we would do this on this day, previewing Little Rock and everything up to this date because I will be out of town this weekend and we'll be back the night of that game. So that is why we are here today. Tons to talk about. Huge news that happened on this day a week ago. We know Alabama. Alabama game scrimmage was the, or exhibition was this past weekend. Uh, feels like forever ago now. And we got some other stuff to talk about. We'll talk about more. Brian's been on interview galore. Talk about things around the Valley, what other teams have going on opening night, and then our game against Little Rock to preview that at the end. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, we're ever so close here. We're only four days away or so, and – we love it because football is struggling. We, we want to turn the page to basketball right now. And like I said, to start it out, we had a huge commitment a week ago. We'll dive into that first. What's going on? Go ahead and lay it on us. Yeah, a week ago we had a big-time commitment um, for the 2023 class. We were um, wondering how the 2023 class would unfold, if they would uh, – um, get anybody here soon or if it would be one of those things where they it'd be a wait and see but um we knew when this kid came on campus uh we talked about him coach maman dm'd us and um right away here uh we get Kennard davis jr um he's a three-star out of the st louis area and then vashon high school um he's currently ranked the number four in the prep hoops missouri class of 2023 rankings um, he was a big role in the Wolverines back-to-back class four state championships. Um, as a junior, he averaged 12 points a game, five rebounds, two steals. Um, he helped lead them to a 27 and four record. So, um, really love this kid's upside. Um, this is a big time get. If you're getting a kid, um, out of just, if you say the name Vashon high school, you know, the players that have came out of there and getting this kid. I mean, this is big time. Um, this is the best recruit, I'd say, um, by far, um, by this Mullins class so far, um, besides the first one, obviously, um, with retaining Lance um, from the previous staff and getting Marcus and Trent here. Um, then getting Cade last year, but I really like this. 6'5", wing, um, listed at 6'6", six, six some places, but um, – can do it all. Love this kid. All three levels, he does it. Um, had Missouri State, SEMO, Western, um, St. Louis. Um, had some other schools. Bradley was big time lately in on him. Um, he even had Bradley's offer pinned to his Twitter for a while. So this is a big time get. It's unreal. We talked about how on the last one, it's like, yeah, we don't know the dates, you know, if, or if any guys are going to make top five lists because we haven't had a lot of success whenever people trim their list down to like four or five. So that's what we were honestly expecting. Cause you're right. Bradley's been all over him and you're right. He was like, it looked like that's where he could have gone. We mentioned, or you mentioned slew Missouri state. I mean, keeping it away from keeping him away from all those other schools is just huge. And I, I agree with you. I mean, because we knew Marcus, I remember whenever we first heard about him and when we landed him, it's like, this kid's going to be really good. It's like, that's just, off the rip knowing about him like we we know this kid's a three-star we know 
and you know, obviously seeing what Marcus and Lance turned out to be, but I, I agree. I mean, this is the biggest, and we talked about it, this is the biggest fish of all. And it, it came as a surprise a week ago. It was tough to not talk about it to this point. Um, just massive. When you steal him out of Slew's backyard, he seemed like a perfect fit for Slew and what they're building. And I'm sure that excited him. And uh, You mentioned Bashan has have had great players that we've seen in high school that have, and honestly, have bounced around college basketball. It's it's funny because it's like, you know, historically they're great talents, but they don't fit in one place or they don't, or they have certain like things wrong that off the court or things. And thinking obviously that this is not the case with Kennard, but it is a great school and it's incredible having ties to that area. And just the fact that Javon Maman lived up to what he told us about, you can't hype it and not go get him. So, and actually I was going to end up DMing him and telling him congrats on it. Uh, just massive. And we had a tweet that got a lot of love on it. Uh, just stealing them from those big spots is incredible. And we talked about how, yeah, 2023, how big of the class is it going to be? We want to stay in the portal after this year. Just, you know, whatever happens typically, we don't need to do anything more. If something else huge is out there for this class, so be it if there's spots to open. But we got our guy. No, and honestly, this is it, it's kind of shocking because he did choose us over those schools, especially Slew in this backyard. It's going to be so much fun to follow his senior year I saw a stat that talked about, you know, he averaged about 14 points and eight rebounds last year. He's a two-time state champion, you know, shoots about 50% from the field. Just an unbelievable win. Like, he's a guy to build around. This is, We said in the tweet, this is like a transcendent kind of player, and you're right. I, I agree. It's probably the biggest we have here. Uh, I mean, like I said, no, in terms of w- would you agree that probably – 2023 class, it's a sealed deal. You, We got our top guy. There's nothing more to do. We don't know about the open spots, like I said, but it seems like we got him now. Now we're done. Let's focus on the portal and then some. Yeah, unless unless you have talks with maybe they do, maybe they don't, um, throughout a season with their players and um, seeing if maybe if you have a feeling that one of the guys aren't going to use their extra year. Um, or something like that. So you maybe you want to look to get another guy like that. Um, but yeah, I'd say um, after this one, finding a if somebody decides not to use that six C or something, um, using the portal to add um, another veteran to go with some younger guys we got here um, would be the way to go. Just thinking about. If that doesn't happen, we keep our core guys. Everyone's talked about them. We have from the get-go by Marcus and Lance maybe, you know, going somewhere bigger if this year goes well for them and using that extra year. If they don't, and now you add Kennard Davis to this to this group in terms of it's just – it's incredible. Shout out to the staff for getting this done. It, it's so exciting, and people are turning the page from football to basketball because this team's expected to be good. We'll get to the game. There are a lot of positives out of these exhibitions – and then, you know, going into this year, picked where we are. And then on top of this, you get a heralded or highly heralded recruit. It's just a great time to be a fan, honestly. And like I said, it was tough to wait a week to talk about Kennard Davis. But uh, and again, it's going to be so much fun following his senior year. We will. And that's what we did with Cade. We were happy to always talk about what Cade was up to. And it's just one recruit per season at the moment. And it's just it's just awesome. We cannot, and he's going to put up numbers. We talked about we like to go to high school tournaments depending upon what happens in early January about you know the famous Highland tournament that's in, in southern Illinois uh, that his team's going to be there so we'll be looking to go to that if we can 
have been talking about it. So we'll be able to see him in person. We'll, we'll wear SIU gear. Hopefully everybody else that goes can do the same thing and rep Kennard, kind of like how we did with Chris Payton years and years ago. Uh, so I can't wait. Humongous. It's it's amazing. It kind of came as a shock. It was like out of nowhere on a Thursday night at like 8 o'clock or something. It was kind of crazy. So great news for that. Like I said, we'll follow his senior year as time goes on. He hasn't really made a Twitter post. He just retweeted a bunch of people like ours and posted on his Instagram initially. And that's how you saw it, thankfully. And the word got out. So huge news. Definitely want to start off with that. And now, Noah, let's talk about this. This game from this past weekend, we were at the football game. Ironically, they both started at the same time. Thankfully, you know, there was, you know, on, on the Saluki app and everything, you were able to listen to it and follow it, which is what we were doing. We were listening to it at times, Alabama's broadcast. Let's dive into this game. Noah, let's start off with, obviously, what happened from the get-go. We noticed from the, you know, when we were walking up, we were talking about what – or talking previously what the starting lineup could be and two potential starters we found out Noah did not or did not start the game one ended up playing and we'll get to the reasons why and Brian talked about a little bit dive into those news and then uh, some takeaways in this game we'll do like first half takeaways and then how the game finished up yeah obviously um, we know Lance was battling what we what we've been told was a concussion Battling back from that, um, obviously not not starting. Um, figured when they announced the starting lineup that if he wasn't in the lineup, he wouldn't play. But ended up coming off the bench, and obviously JD did not play at all. He did not participate in the Kansas State scrimmage at all. So um, we got bigs, so not missing much there. Um, but starting starting off, I mean, we started Marcus, Trent, Clarence, Xavier, and Jawan. Um, that's pretty. That's a pretty small lineup compared to Alabama throwing out six nine, six nine, and six ten. They were even without their seven footer in this one. Um, but really, uh, listening to it and following stats, hard to take a lot of takeaways. Like actual, see how they actually played. But from what we could tell in the first half, I mean, shot the ball came out pretty. Shot thirty eight percent in the first half. Um, Marcus really got going in the first half, um, him and Dalton Banks. Dalton Banks, Brian said he's had his best week of practice um, since he's been here at SIU, and I was being even told that Dalton – I was told Dalton Banks had taken a massive step, and he definitely did in the first half. For sure, and back to Lance real fast because Brian said – we'll get to more he talked about in the doghouse on Monday. He said that Lance was also dealing with a uh, – a thigh contusion from a practice as well. So a little bit banged up. And we know Brian's been talking about how the team is healthy to everybody. It's kind of like putting on that, you know, they're the lying face, I suppose. And if he's fine, he, he did play in the second half, but it's crazy how, you know, going into this, we thought everybody was healthy and he's been dealing with stuff, but he did play. You're right. For sure. The biggest takeaway was Marcus looked like himself. He had nine points. We'll get to perhaps it's probably the same number, which it was the same number he had to end the game. And you're right. You said it. You heard it. Dalton Banks is going to have a huge year. There's some weight off his shoulders. But being the backup point guard, it fits him perfectly. He's going to play a lot this year, a lot of minutes. Perfect from the field, 10 points, two, two, two for two from three. And we talked about Noah how I think it was on the last one because I was kind of re-listening to our last one because it's been a week. I was listening to that earlier. And we were talking about how people were letting Dalton shoot last year. They were doing it in the uh, – we remember the game he took over against Valpo at their place that we won. If it wasn't for him, we easily would have lost that game. But they were letting him shoot. Drake was letting him shoot in the tournament, so and he was struggling in that game. So it's good to see him 
off to a great start, especially in this game against this matchup. And you're right, we don't have, you know, we saw Alabama posted highlights again of good stuff that they did. We didn't get any, we know uh, people that were there taking pictures on our side that were taking them and people were there, uh, but obviously not enough to make a video or anything, but a lot of pictures to go around. But yeah, Dalton was definitely the story of the first half. Uh, some other things that stick out here, no, we know uh, was thinking, well, Xavier, we we're going to get to him that he had two fouls in the first and only played eight, only eight minutes, had one shot up, got in foul trouble in this game, wasn't able to do a whole lot. Jawan shot two threes uh, only in six minutes. Trent played 11 minutes, had a shot, didn't shoot. We had, there was a spread rebounding. Marcus and uh, Troy led us in rebounding with two. Troy had two points on one shot and A.J., We'll get to him. He had a nice game, and Brian was talking about him highly on in the doghouse. Three points, one of two. Uh, I mean, I don't think we have yet. Yeah, we have, and that's the story of this game, though, was inability to rebound. And we'll get to you know how we kept them. It was only a 10-point deficit. It, it got out of hand a little bit in the second half, and they were shooting about almost 50% from three. So they were honestly getting the job done in the first half. Uh, I said 40, yeah, from the field, they were, you know, we were shooting 60% of the free throw line. That's only three of five. It's not terrible. Obviously they were eight of nine. Uh, you know, they were getting, they were getting, uh, they had nine offensive rebounds and, but we did have a lead at one point early in the game. So it was just a good sign overall. Uh, they had 12 points off our turnovers. They had 26 points in the paint, which as you mentioned, we didn't start very big. And they're huge, and they were able to get in the paint with ease since they weren't shooting the ball well. Uh, but it was only a 10-point deficit led by Dalton Banks. So, Noah, by the end of it, when we were keeping up with it and listening to it, things flipped in the second half. I mentioned that it got, you know, in the, in the tweet, in the final tweet, it got over 20 points. I think up to 25. And, oh, we clawed back, and let's dive into how this game ended up. Yeah, really, really, I mean, for most of the second half, we kept it pretty close. Um, but – it got up to a, a amount that we had to keep clawing and our guys did not give up. They could have easily got up and we could have lost by 30, but um, guys got some opportunities and really took, took advantage of it. Um, AJ Ferguson finished strong. He had 10 points, four or seven from the field, two of four from three, really excited about him. Um, didn't really know what to, we talked about, I think the last podcast, maybe not what to expect from him, um, where he fits in the rotation, Obviously, in these scrimmages, you can tweak lineups and see what you like. Um, but he had a really strong game, 10 points. And Foster Wonders, um, once he saw the first one go down, I mean, he's the best shooter on this team. Probably one of the best. I'd put him up against any shooter in the Valley. Um, this guy can flat-out shoot it. He ended up with eight points um, to cut the deficit down, and it ended up being a 73-64 final. But um, those two I was really impressed with down the stretch. Yeah, and we talked about about AJ on the previous one, or I mentioned how he's kind of an unknown just coming from D2. We didn't know what his role was going to be in the second unit. And Brian did say on In the Doghouse at the, near the end when they asked about him, he said that he's gotten better each day that he's been there or since he's gotten there, and he, said he ha- and he said he hasn't scratched the surface for how good he's going to be. So that is a great sign knowing how young he is. Yeah, and how, you know, they mentioned, you know, they were asking Brian about the team that he was on. We remember he averaged like 11 points a game over there and stuff. So he's definitely got talent. We saw it in the previous videos and pictures that the team was posting. So definitely high on him. He's going to play a lot this year, which is a great sign. And you mentioned Foster. You're right. As soon as that first ball goes down, and he he honestly carried us near the end in that comeback because uh, 
or we didn't mention him in the first half. He didn't shoot. He had a fa- or he had one rebound in nine minutes. Uh, and obviously, when they got it up to twenty or twenty-five, you know, at one point we were thinking that they took all their guys out and put in a bunch of their, uh, you know, just subbed out all their best players. But the one the case, and we were able to, you know, you know, be really good on defense and hold them to a poor shooting percentage. But it was good to know that we, you know, did that well against them and. You know when they while their best players were still on the court. So yeah, four of seven for Foster is great. And we, or uh, I was looking at AJ's three of four for Foster, two of three from three. So yeah, him and AJ leading the way in three point shooting. Takeaways on the bad side was Juwan only had one point. It was a free throw. He only played ten minutes. Strangely, Xavier was second on the team in minutes and only scored two points, but he had two rebounds, two assists. We mentioned how he was in foul trouble. Noah, we said Marcus had nine points in the first half. He ended up with nine points in the second half and went three of 12 for the game, one of five from three. Missed a free throw, led us in rebounding in 33 minutes. We talked about his minutes on the last pod. And Noah, was, it was in a game like this. Maybe you didn't have to play him, you know, that much maybe, but it was a good ramp up. I'm thinking that's hopefully the number they keep him at this year, right, 33 Uh I mean, that's – I think you you said that. Like, that's maybe the number we want to see for Marcus this year, around 33 maybe. We know it's probably not going to be the case, but that would be nice, 33. Yeah, that, that'd be that'd be great. Great to see uh, manages minutes early. Um, down the stretch in Valley play, that's the 10 to where you really, really won't care what he plays. Um, Got to do what it takes. But here early on, um, tweaking some lineups, seeing this thing – holding him around that mark. Um, obviously, he probably had some length on him and struggled, but he ends up three of 12, um, one of five from three. I mean, I don't know if it's he just had an off night or if it was partial early on, early season fatigue um, to get going here. But, yeah, that you got you to manage, manage his minute, minutes with the injuries he's already had in his career. Um that body's taken a lot, a lot of beating. So, um, if you can, we I think there was part partial times we took him out in the first half, just listening to it. Got to find ways to um, give him quick breathers, whether um, it's a minute before the next media timeout or something to get him a quick break. Yeah, I know that's one of the biggest things we'll be looking forward to this year if it happens because it does need to happen. I think maybe Nate Oates just made adjustments knowing that, you know, what he was. And I went back and, look, yeah, he only shot five times in the second. Maybe they were just, you know, making him uncomfortable, which does happen against these kind of teams, as we've talked about with Marcus. Uh, let's see here. Clarence let us in assist. That's a good sign if he's that versatile and can do – you know, maybe it's just finding an open guy at the rim. Uh, he had offensive foul in this game. We were actually able to listen to that or follow it. They said he was getting triple teamed, and they caught an offensive foul. I'm not sure how it transpired. Uh but Clarence had three points, one of four. He shot two threes, missed him, went one of two from the line. We talked about he's like a 55% free throw shooter last year. So hoping that's better. Trent had a good game seven on five shots. Uh, one of only shot two threes, but he was two for three from the line in 18 minutes. He did have four fouls, had a steal. We had a lot of steals in this game, and that was led by Lance. No, no surprise. Three steals in this game. Shot or had nine points, shot eight times, 0 for three from three I remember every time we would look on a possession that looked promising off like a steal or something it would say Lance just chucked up a three which knowing that uh you know that that does happen and knowing I can just picture in my mind that that you know that was the case 
Him and Dalton led us with turnovers with four or led the way. Dalton only got like one shot in the second half, which is interesting with how good he was in the first half. I don't know how like or what happened through that or if, you know, they were just, you know, maybe you're not going to run something through Dalton. You're not going to have him ISO a guy on Alabama. His points were just like, you know, in the moment kind of things, I guess. But uh, probably should have got him more shots and could have won. Troy had four points. Good to see three rebounds in 14 minutes. Cade got in this game, Noah, and – it was in this – and we'll get to another one that actually did have a block. Marcus had one as well. But Kate played two minutes, Noah, and it looked like he was – we talked about this because we remember an old video of Kate trying to block somebody at the rim. And he tried to do that in this game, and it was off an alley-oop that they got on top of him. But uh, – and I don't know if I, that's what Brian's – and Brian, you know, took pride in the fact that he got everybody in the game. And only, you know, two minutes isn't enough. I wouldn't think it'd be after something like that happened, like I said. But, Noah, if he's – if he does play this year and at times, if he's going to, you know, because he's seven foot, he needs to use it, uh, especially on the defensive end. We know he's a good shot blocker that if he challenges guys at the rim, if he's challenging Alabama, Kansas State players at the rim, it's a good sign moving forward because that's what we would need him to do if, if he does play. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's using his length right away um, because there's going to be guys as a true freshman with his frame that's going to try to back him down and bully him, but with the length, the alter shots and guys driving down the line using that length, not be afraid to to get dunked on it sometimes. But yeah, it's gonna be great to see if he does get to play. Um, probably not very promising with one of our main bigs out. He only gets two minutes. So good point. Yeah. Um, I I've I've came into this year expecting a redshirt year by him uh, because I probably think that's what's best, especially since. You have JD as a veteran, and you got two younger guys in front of him um, to get a year under his belt. Um, but there's always that chance if there's an injury or a couple injuries, we can burn it. So it's not he can develop along this year, like we've talked about before. Um, I think with Cade, um, you've seen guys just at Loyola expecting the red shirt and Jacob Hudson, but all of a sudden he's developed. Um, throughout the season and and in the Valley play, he's starting to get minutes in, in the tournament. He's a big factor. So there's there's things like that could happen for Kate if he comes along nicely. But um, I think he could use a year um, to get his body right and get used to the system and Division One basketball. I couldn't agree more. The more that, you know, we, we see him and we hear about him and barely playing, that's, that's, a, that's a great point you made that J.D. didn't play. And looking at this box score – I forget that JD would be on the team because I'm thinking these are our guys right here. So as soon as JD gets back in the mix, you're right. And we do have three quality bigs, especially with the way we like to play. I mean, especially since, well, Cade's more versatile, you know, in terms of like maybe offensively ability to shoot than, you know, Scotty from three or JD from three. We know Clarence can do it a little bit. I think it could be valuable to have him, but I would agree. I think a, a year sitting for him would do him wonders. Uh, but we didn't know JD was hurt at all. And, the fact that Brian said this is the healthiest he's been in his college career almost, and he's not even playing, it's weird. Uh, so anything can happen or you could take that red shirt off him. It's in because they're going to be playing so many guys. And, you know, Brian keeps preaching the depth. And he, we meant, he mentioned on the interview we talked about last week that he's, you know, they have four good bigs. So we could see him. I would hate to, that it would only happen in limited action. Cause if you don't play him a lot, you're kind of way, even though he's getting in games and he's getting the feel of it, 
but it does seem like you'd be wasting a potential red shirt to give him that extra year and you're playing him spotty minutes. But if that's what they do, we wouldn't be against it in terms of just, you know, seeing him and maybe he can impact this, this team that we're expecting to be good. So that is a wait and see. But you're right. No JD only plays two minutes. That is interesting. Scotty had a point. It was from the free throw line. He shot three times. He had a block. We talked about how or just seeing the highlight that Alabama posted that he blocked a guy at the rim, but that guy just got it right back and scored it. But at least, you know, we got his shot blocking ability that we know of, you know, in the mix at 610. He was able to challenge those athletes. He played 10 minutes, had one turnover and two fouls, uh, which we'll be seeing a lot of Scotty this year. It's honestly exciting for sure. Um, Clarence, I mentioned his game. Uh, I mentioned every, I'm pretty sure everybody else to this point. So I think Noah, the biggest takeaway from by the end of the game is seeing AJ score 10 points and honestly scoring at will having two rebounds. He's scoring on a fast break that somebody had a steal. He had a steal himself only in 15 minutes. I mean, if that's the number he has this year, so be it, even though he does something like this, it makes you think that he's definitely going to play, you know, close to 20, maybe, uh, him and Dalton lead the way for us, knowing he and him and Foster stepped up. So that's a good sign for those two young players. Uh, any other final takeaways on in this game? Yeah, it's just to what Brian said. Um, one of his main takeaways this is a big opportunity for the program. Um, getting the experience of this going down there to compete against a top 20 team, um, a team that's going to make noise in the SEC and has potential. Um, so they don't have one of their couple best players that they, they, if they get healthy down the stretch, stay healthy. Um, come tournament time, this is a team that um, could make some noise. So getting that experience, seeing some younger guys step up, um, seeing Dalton Banks make his progression of his career, then seeing A.J. and Foster get going down the stretch in the second half, um, it just makes you more excited about this season. No doubts about it. And we were thankful because uh, Ronnie Watson was able to talk to Brian on the phone after the game uh to like get his final thoughts we did retweet that if anybody missed that yeah some things he said on monday about that they said they have great film from these two scrimmages so it's better than beat and he even mentioned that we talked about previously about it's better than beating up on a lower level team you know in his eyes for having this great film and keeping these games close i don't think there's any you know negatives in terms of maybe you know not shooting well in these two games but you keep them close i think that's a good sign knowing that you know, you can keep games close against teams like this that maybe, you know, they could flip the script. And what we also talked about last week about being able to finish games uh, and be able to, you know, come back in games. Granted, we fell short in both games, but at least you, I mean, you only lose by a total of 15 points in both games. So against high level power five schools. So I, I think it is a really good sign. And we got to see some good players. It's funny because people, people were mentioning how Lance was taking one for the team this year and going to come off the bench. It was a lot of like unknown about Lance's injury. And Brian confirmed that he had a concussion because I think they were asking him the same thing. You know, it's like almost nobody knew about it until Brian said it. So it was funny how people were thinking what Lance's role was going to be this year. That was hilarious. But uh, yeah, there's really nothing bad to say about these games because a lot of positives, you kept the game close and even when one game Lance didn't play and one game JD didn't play and you still don't shoot well, your best player didn't score in the second half and you're still able to play the way you did. It's, it's a great sign moving forward. And Brian mentioned that strength in numbers uh, this year, which we know that's a Warriors thing that we might use this year, that he was mentioning some other things he said on there on the, in the doghouse that he was asked about. Uh, he says that they're hoping to turn teams over more on defense this year and create that into offense. We know – 
you know, when we got turnovers or <clears throat> held teams to their percentage last year, Noah, what was it? Probably kept teams around 60 points a game that and we obviously were not able to score in you know, our half court offense last year was not very good at all. Relying on taking too much time off the clock. Well, that's been the case for years, even going back to Barry. We had terrible half court offense, and that's kind of been the case in this. Uh, but he mentioned, you know, creating that more in the offense in the fast break with the players we have now. Uh, and then Noah, so I'll get your thoughts on that. But then also, uh, he says that he wants to be deep and it can be different guys on different nights, he said. So that's positive in terms of the 12 to 13 guys, 14 guys we're going to play, 13. Uh, potentially that it's going to be guys different nights, guys are going to have different minutes per game outside of like the main guys. Your thoughts on both those things, Noah? Yeah, definitely using um, depending on what it's like. He's, it didn't end up being this, but last year he told us at the beginning of the year starting lineups could be depending on the matchups. Um, it changed a little bit here and there, but um, depending on that, um, getting to see different lineups maybe this year. Um, rotating guys in and out on a different night. Um, if one guy, say Foster, comes in off the bench, hits his first shot, looks good, um, probably will get more minutes than, and that's the night we'll probably, you might not see AJ a lot or something like that. So um, it's good to be this deep, um, having these kind of problems. Um, excited about this year um, that we could do that. So um, getting to see different lineups, mixing things up, different lineups this year. Um, instead of playing multiple guys close to over 30 minutes, is going to be a big factor. Yeah, and just some quick other things that he said in that interview on Monday was he was asked about the core three guys, and now he can't believe they're already, you know, four-year seniors to this point. He said that uh, excited for the core three because it's the first time since their freshman year that they'll all be playing together healthy. And, Noah, that's obviously a big thing. That is very, very true. Trent was hurt last year. Marcus was hurt the year before that. And, uh, yeah, and their freshman year was what it was. So that that is kind of crazy. And there there are cornerstone guys, and it, that, that is insane thinking that this is the first year they're all going to be healthy together. And then Noe said that uh, he was asked about it and said that Jawan is the first player inside the Valley that they've recruited. We know that there were reports about – uh, Sheldon Edwards, I'm pretty sure, you know, there were multiple tweets about people interested in him, uh, obviously from Valpo. So that was interesting that he would say that because uh, it seems like the people who report that stuff isn't wrong, that there's obviously, you know, more because it, it's it's not frowned upon anymore. It's definitely happening. Uh, and, you know, you don't count as Sheldon Edwards going to Loyola. That's not the conference anymore. But just in terms of we've seen it a couple of times, Jason Kent did it. And so it's that was interesting hearing him say that because I. I find that hard to believe. I don't think they were in on like Donovan Clay, but they're in on Jawan, and those are some small other tidbits in that. Uh, now, no, let's talk about just some other small things before we get into Valley. There's huge Valley news that really big that we I forgot to mention off the rip on the intro before we dove into it. I'll let you talk about that. Uh, just some other recruiting updates. Uh, we remember Keyshawn Hampton, who was a 2023 kid that we've been following for a long time. He he ended up with a lot of smaller – and even when he was posting about us, you know, interested in him, he was posting a lot of small schools, and he ended up committing to a small school, Emory and Henry. I didn't look in on them at all to see what level they are. Not very high, obviously. So uh, just seen by seeing on the feed and us, you know, unfollowing them to that point. Uh, but then, oh, we had a couple more offers recently. 
and one guy had us on a huge list and one guy that we actually talked about on the previous pod that other Valley teams are interested in. Let's talk, let's talk about those two real fast. Yeah. One has us, uh, as on a huge list of offers and interests. Um, that's Micah Davis. Um, he's out of the, he's out of Indiana and he's got a plenty of schools, um, some bigger schools in on him right now in like Cincinnati, Virginia, Indiana, Purdue, Pitt, I mean, some big schools, Penn State's even in on there. Um, then some Valley schools in like Belmont, Illinois State, Indiana State. So um, I got to keep your eye on. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see us look for um, a, a guard for the future. Um, he's from East 2024 guy, six foot guard. Um, let's start look for the future. I thought. Um, a point guard for 2023 was going to be what we'd start looking for. I'm obviously landing a a six six wing right now, so um, but we added some guards and Xavier and stuff like that. So um, we know 2023 was we were looking at point guards, but it's kind of started looking at the 2024 class, starting to look at some guys. Um, then another guy we offered last time, I think we were live on a pod that we saw it um, was Angelo Saravini. He's an Illinois Wolves guy, 2024 guy, 6'6 guard, uh, plays from Mount Carmel High School. Um, a lot of Valley schools and other mid solid mid-majors in on him as well. Yeah, and even Josh Pickett, who the acclaimed five-star that he we talked about last week, who got a UIC offer, we offered him on the 27th. Not a whole lot of love on that tweet. Uh, like I said, we talked about him. You looked into him. Definitely not the case with a five star, depending upon you know whatever it is. But you said it there, and we were if we were going to get twenty twenty three, that it seemed like a guard would have been more ideal, just in terms of you know Lance's future. Not a whole lot of years left. Crazy how Dalton's already a junior, but just knowing that you needed to refill, replenish your guards at some point here, and it's good to see that. You know, whether it's not 2023, that's fine. And not saying these guys are going to be the ones for 2024, but because uh, it looked like Micah Davis is definitely going to be going to a bigger school if all that remains. Josh Pickett, I think, is possible in terms of we haven't seen any other bigger schools. He did uh, – oh. Pickett did visit Northwestern and landed an offer a couple weeks ago. So um, That's right. He's, he's, he's from Chicago area, his hometown kid probably. Um, he said he was very he was thankful for the offer and very interested to be in there. He's been to UIC taking pictures, so um, looks like he'll probably end up somewhere. Um, wouldn't surprise if Loyola so, sometimes gets it uh, starts recruiting him. So um, probably a hometown kid staying up there somewhere. Probably the case, and yeah, he tagged old Chris Lowry in that tweet. We know he was supposed to be with Dana Ford and Missouri State, but now he's there to keep guys in in Chicago so yeah you're right that'll probably be the case but for sure we'll be looking at guards 100 percent for 2024 because then Lance and all the all the guys it's actually sad to think about no one of them even think about that at this time but thinking that they're not going to be on the team so we'll be looking to replenish by that year so there are some ones there uh it's funny because we know either is last year I guess it was last year we remember Reese Johnson a walk-on from Benton he was on the team for a little bit ended up not staying Ended up not being on the team anymore. Saw that he was he's now on the Ren Lake basketball team, which I just remember seeing Coach Maman like it. That's the only way we saw it. So it's, it's good for Reese. 
We mentioned how Noah couldn't cut it here, and that is what it is, but he's there. The fact that he's still playing basketball, uh, it's cool to see. And then before we get into other Valley news, I just noticed people – because people are raving about Evansville's New Jersey's Noah. Uh, you know, they have, I guess, new lettering on there, and they have the all-oranges. They have all this other stuff. Those are cool, right? And then I just noticed Missouri State, which you see in their pictures – but they have New Jerseys. They have the all gray, all mar- all. I I want to say maroon. It's like I don't want to say maroon because that's us. And they have these white ones that they were showing on their Twitter accounts. We know our jersey. I'm not a huge fan of our maroon jerseys, our road jerseys. I like the SIU on our home. If you had to pick, now off the top of your head, you can add these new ones if you like them a lot. Who off the top of your head has the best jerseys in the valley? Yeah, there's some nice ones. Um, I like. Drake's alternate with the skyline. I really like those. Um, but the Evansville with the new – with the lettering, I really like those new ones. Um, always liked uh, UNI's whites they got last year um, with the lettering. But Yeah, the cursive really, lettering. Yeah, I like yeah, those too. Yeah, there's some really nice ones out there. Um, I know some people don't like the Drake with the skyline, but I really like those. I noticed Bradley because people were in the comments saying they didn't like Bradley's uniforms. They have like some red on like the shoulder blades and stuff. Like, those are new. Those are okay. Uh, I agree though. You and I, it's the cursive lettering on their whites is sexy. It really is. So they got it going for them. We talked about ours. We've had like three new jerseys in the last three years, uh, but these will be the second year for these right here. So one of the Indiana, that now, no, Indiana State's baby blues are nice too. I like those. Very true. Um, We've talked about those before. I don't think we played them in those before, but I maybe I know they won last year when they were in Carbondale, actually. So those are really nice as well, for sure. Those are the ones Larry Bird wore back in the day. They're kind of like an old school one. Uh, so that being said, Noah, I said Valley News, huge news, which it, you know, it obviously changed the whole landscape of the, of the conference to start the year. He is going to return. Didn't think he was going to. Noah, dive into the huge Valley News that, like I said, it transcends a lot that could happen for, you know, how good the team's going to be, how, you know, where they're going to be picked, everything for awards, everything that's going to potentially waver on this. Like I said, he could return. Dive into that huge news. Yeah, back last week um, on Monday's practice, uh, all uh, all first team, all conference first team preseason forward, Rink Mast, uh, the best big man in the Valley, in my opinion. Um, suffered a non-contact injury um, at the time. He was still being evaluated. Um, thought he could possibly be gone for the year. Um, not what you wanted to hear as a Valley fan because that just makes Bradley worse, you would feel like. And during non-con, we need all Valley teams to be tough um, so we can make the league look pretty strong and build resumes for the Valley. Um, but he was at practice the next day. Um, he has an MCL sprain in his right, right knee. Um, but he had an ACL in his left knee, um, back in his senior year of high school. So, um, this is a guy that's been through something like that before. Um, hopefully returns probably, I think they said four to six weeks, um, could be, I would expect probably out through non-con, um, to be safe. Um, with an injury like that, but glad he's not out for the full year because I like playing teams at their best. So um, not great news, but good news that he's not out for the year. 
Yeah, I know. We do definitely do not want to see that. We never want to see that. And we like Rank. You're right. I, we both agree. He's the best big in the Valley. Can do a lot of things. He was a first-team pick member, and Bradley was pick second. So that's going to change a lot. Yeah, probably at the beginning or middle, especially if they want to ease him back in. They caught a break. Non-contact, and yeah, four to eight weeks, MCL sprain. You're right. He's, so he's had diff- he's had problems with both knees now. So they for sure caught a break. Brian Wardle is breathing, breathing a big sigh of relief. Because like I said, pick second, he was a first-teamer. That can change a lot. And we talked about how, yeah, they're non-con. They, uh, they're at Utah State, their second game of the year. Uh, they're in the Cancun Challenge against Auburn. They host SEMO, which won't be easy without rink, you would like to think. But I mentioned the Auburn game. They're good. They were probably going to lose that anyway. Now it's probably the case. And we wouldn't put it past. They have good players. We've been seeing their highlights, talking about their their players and other personnel that they have. No, I mean, they're probably they're going to lose a lot of these games potentially, but they're going to fight because they still got a lot of talent. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, they got a very deep team. Um, obviously, Terry Roberts um, is gone in Georgia, but um, I think I've seen where he's suspended or something um, down there in Georgia already. Or take No, he's taking personal leave, I think. Um, so he's gone for a while. Um, but, yeah, they got guys rebuilding. That's what Wardle always does. He finds guys. So interesting to see how um, Darius Hanna had a really good – we liked him really good as a freshman. Um, he did not take any steps last year, but it's a big opportunity early in the year for him um, to step in that five spot and be really good. Yeah, we know they got a, a decent big man in the you know in the JUCO ranks or the whatever ranks we've talked about before. So, uh, and you're right because we saw Darius Hanna doing windmills on fast breaks in their recent exhibition. So, uh, I think they'll be fine. They won't be you know. Like I said, they'll lose a lot of those games. But And you're right, on Friday, Rink was at practice. They posted a picture that I saved of his knee, and he's in a big old brace. He's got, like, these crazy crutches and stuff. So that is – definitely don't like to see that. We want to – you're right. We want to play guys at the best. We preach that all the time. So, But we'll see him in conference play, like, halfway through, probably in January, February. If they ease him into it, we'll see him by then probably. But it is four to eight weeks. You never know. He could be rehabbing fast. So there's that. I noticed, Noah – Trey Hall, we recall from Evansville because I just remember seeing it. Uh, and Evansville played a game yesterday. They have a, they have a couple of good players that played well. I think they only won by like ten or so. We'll get into those exhibitions if you have them on you of uh of all the recent teams' exhibitions. What they we know teams are still playing. Some are probably playing tonight or have been playing this week. Saw so Noah though that Trey Hall's taking the year off of a post that he made on Evans. So that's a body that they've lost recently. Uh, before we get into you know, the other games that are happening on Monday uh, for everybody else, if you have the information on what other Valley teams have done in their exhibition games and who they faced. Yeah, there's been a lot um, happening this week. Guys playing their um, non-Division One um, games. Um, got to see, follow a couple of them um, along the way here this week. Um, we know Drake plays tonight against Minnesota Duluth. Um they play their exhibition before opening up as well, but um, got to see Illinois State play um, earlier this week. Was like what I saw from them. Um, they have some pretty good players. Um, Walton Col- Colton Sandage off the bench can really score. Transfer from Western Illinois, um, Luke Kazabuke and Kendall Lewis um, off of last year's team 
Um, really like what I saw from there. Um, Indiana State, um, with their Robbie Avila, looked pretty good as a f- true freshman coming in there. Um, they have a pretty nice lineup. You and I struggled out of the gates a lot. Um, they started really young last night. Um, they started a true freshman, Trey Campbell, um, really good player, going to be really pain in our butts in his career in the Valley. So um, some other teams, Belmont, I don't think they've played yet um, that I remember. Um, but Evansville's played a couple. I really like Kenny Strawbridge, a really impressive wing um, that can score the ball and defend. So that's one to watch out for. Uh, some other guys, yeah, Bradley struggled a little bit last night, but they played a pretty good um, – we usually – we've played them a couple times. Illinois Westland, um, not a pushover exhibition game. Struggled a little bit, but they came on strong. They're always going to come on strong. they got to get used to that new lineup starting there. But Malevi and uh, Darius Hanna is pretty good one-two down low um, for them, so – Murray State looked really impressive. I know it's only exhibition, and uh, but they start Monday night at SLU. So, um, but Murray State's new guys putting them together looked pretty pretty impressive last night. Yeah, I was seeing on the feed about people were excited about Rod Perry and uh, Murray and stuff. So yeah, it's gonna be they got definitely some talent. It, it's think about Rod Perry from the beginning. You forget how big he is when you like you you just look at their roster and look at his reminding that he's. You know, six four, six five, but he's got a big body. Everybody says so. Yeah, that, that, that's interesting. It's you know, for their sake, that it's without a doubt. That's a tough first game. We'll get to that and some others. That's going to be a tough matchup for them out of the gates. Uh, and you mentioned Strawbridge. Yeah, he's probably going to be you know one of. The, and I remember we were listening to March of the Arch recently, and they'll have pods throughout the whole year, as we know. And uh, uh, they were talking about Evansville doesn't really have anybody. I think one of them was downplaying them and. One was saying how uh, uh, Bochamp, as we know, gave us fits last year, is going to you know lead the way for them. But they got so many new players, and Strawbridge is one of those. Yeah, dropping about 18 points in this game. He's going to be – they're still going to be near the bottom. But they're, you mentioned fits. There, people are going to give us fits, and Strawbridge will as well. will probably be their best player. That's a wait and see. But, uh, yeah, it's good to keep up with what they did this uh, – in their exhibitions, we talked about how we had the best slate of exhibitions out of anybody else. Uh, so a lot of people got to face those kinds of teams. And you're right, you and I, there was a scare at first, uh, but then they held through strong. So now no, let's get into, before we get into our preview of Little Rock, let's talk about, because we do this for football, and we're not going to do it for obviously Division One basketball if there's any notable games because it's not relevant towards what we're doing. We do it in football for like FCS in terms of playoff and all that other stuff, keeping up with everybody. Let's just obviously dive into – uh, everyone in the Valley in their first game to refresh everybody. Yeah, Monday night kicking off. Um, first couple of games at 6 o'clock. Uh, Green Bay um, traveling to Indiana State, so Indiana State kicks off um, against Green Bay out of the Horizon League. Um, expect Indiana State to start off strong there. Valpo goes on the road to a really good Mac school in Toledo. Um, we've seen Toledo in the tournament here in the last five years, so pretty solid program there. Um, Ohio travels down to Nashville to play Belmont. Um, excited to see how Belmont kicks off. Ohio has been a um, really good program here lately. Uh, West Illinois travels over to Illinois State. Um, excited to see that matchup, 
see how Illinois State looks in their first um, game with that new staff and new players. Um, the biggest game of the night is at 7 o'clock. Uh, Murray State travels up to St. Louis to play them. Um, I'll be streaming that during our game while we're watching SIU. Um, but that's a big-time game. If that if that game was on Tuesday night, I'd consider traveling up to St. Louis to watch it. Um, that's going to be a good one. Uh, Bradley plays Wisconsin Parkside, a non-Division one game. UIC plays Trinity, a non-Division one game. Northern Iowa plays Wartburg in a non-Division one game. Then Evansville at 7.30, making a trip up to Miami of Ohio, um, play a pretty solid Mac school. So um, good start to see what Raglan does in his first game on the road there. So besides the non-Division one game, there's some okay matchups. I like Ohio Belmont. Valpo Toledo is interesting, but Murray State and SLU kicking off. Then I think uh, everybody else in the league that doesn't play Monday tips off on Wednesday. Um, Drake plays IUPUI. Then Missouri State hosts uh, Missouri S&T in a non-Division one game. So um, besides Ohio Belmont and Murray State SLU, nothing really notable to kick off the year. No, a lot of teams that are yeah playing non D ones, uh, or some teams that you mentioned, Valpo Toledo's decent, and uh, Miami of Ohio with uh with Evansville. You're right. I mean, yeah, there are some in Belmont with uh, Ohio is a good one. Yeah, so about half the league, or a little bit, I guess, less or more half the uh, of the league is having good matchups, and we would put that. You know, obviously, us fa- facing Little Rock is better than. Uh, you know, some of these other teams that are playing nobodies. And you're right, because we've talked about we wish SIUE was on our schedule. You know, we know, you know, Edwardsville and uh, St. Louis are only a couple hours away. We we love college basketball, so we would love to go watch big-time matchups there. We know SIUE plays SLU. But you're right, aside from us going to SLU, we'll be, we'll be happy if, if we can at times and through the week maybe if we're, we're just got nothing else to do and S and our team's not playing or something, which usually all these teams play on the same night relatively. So, you know, if we want to follow our game, not going to be able to make it another game in person, but we will be looking to, you know, go to a lot of these games. And you're right. If we were able, we would go to Murray and SLU if we weren't playing. That is a great game. And the other than that, some, some okay games, but yeah, not a whole lot of great, but in terms of like stretches, like you, we talk about Missouri state, you know, playing Missouri S&T, but then they're at BYU and they host Middle Tennessee. So people will have bad first games and then they'll make up for it in their next one. And I'm just looking at Drake get Wofford at home, their second game of the year on the 14th, five, five stretch, five day stretch between their games. But I just know that's where Kyler Filowich is. So we'll be keeping up with that game as time goes on. Then they host and then they're in the Paradise Jam. So like I said, if you start off with a week game, then you make up for it following. So I guess that's what teams are doing. Uh, so yeah, there, there's all that. We'll do that weekly, obviously on our recaps and previews, which will, we mentioned how this year we'll, we'll, cause there's so many games every other day. It's not like a week in football where we'll try to mix in recaps and previews almost throughout the whole year, unless we have like SoCal challenge. We'll talk about, we'll preview the whole tournament and our potential matchups and all the teams that are in it. And then we'll recap it after kind of like how we did last year for the Virgin Islands one. So expect recaps and previews together on almost every single one. So we'll get to that here in a second of what we'll do with our next one. Now, no, let's dive into our matchup. Trying to get revenge on Little Rock. We made the trip last year. It was fun, but it was obviously a disappointing game. 
because of the way it happened, the way we turned it over, we're only losing by three. We sneak, we sneak peeked them last week. Let's dive into them now in the revenge game. Yeah, obviously, um, a team coached by Daryl Walker in his fifth year, um, making the transition over to the OVC. Um, they were preseason sixth in the OVC. Um, that's probably right where I expected them to be picked. Um, because transition to new league and they have some OVCs down with Belmont and Murray leaving, but Moorhead is still there. Simo and under Brad Corns head in the right direction and SIUE um, collected some really good players um, this off season. So, and UT Martin's always been decently solid too, but guys to watch out for. Um, don't think he played against us last year. Um, but that senior forward, DeAntoni Gordon, a 6'8 forward, um, started his career at Wichita before going the Juco route, ended up at Little Rock, a uh, guy that averaged 12 points and six rebounds, or he actually had 12 points and six rebounds against us in the opener last year. I think he was banged up going into the game, but that's another guy. Another guy is Myron Gordon, um, a 6'6 senior guard, uh, no relation there, but a guy that's pretty solid to watch out for um some guys that are newer to watch to look to that are interesting uh six eight sophomore forward Nigel John came from eastern Oklahoma State um averaged nine and a half and eight rebounds uh, he was the ninth ranked Juco transfer um he was a three-star at a high school um had interest from Utah State Washington State and Kansas State at high school but went the Juco route um Seems like they're going to be an interesting first test like we thought last year. Um, they're not projected to be a really good team, um, but they were projected to win their league last year, and they finished in the bottom of it. I think they had some injuries and other stuff happen, um, but picked middle of the pack in the OVC. Ken Palm has them ranked as a 310th team in preseason, um, So, and Ken Palm also has them finishing seventh in the OVC. Um, but they have some freshmen um, to watch out for, just newcomers. Um, other than the JUCO transfer, Daniel Igabunwe, a guy SIU had a little bit of interest on last year, not didn't show a lot. He is there, a 6'7 freshman out of the Memphis area. Then they did get four-star guard uh, Jordan Shorter, a 6'6 guard. Um, that could show a lot of improvement. So this is a team. Excited to see the matchup. Um, hopefully we can get some revenge. Like you said, this is a revenge game. Um, Jovan Stulix, also a guy that killed us last year, a guard that can do it all. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens. I like our matchup. Their big man, Nikola Marich, is gone, thankfully, um, because he dominated us, dominated us last year. Yeah, we couldn't guard him one bit, and I think when we talked about on the uh, the preview or the one last week, we mentioned him because that's before we just uh, you know officially looked at the raw. We do remember he was a senior, but maybe he had eligibility, so definitely caught a break with it. I remember D, uh, I remember Gordon. Uh, he was a menace. You're right. You mentioned the, some of the stats, and Stulich was dunking on us, making every three. They were tough. I mean. I mean, honestly, they were, and knowing that they have a four – you mentioned Jordan Shorter, four-star, and they got some good freshmen, and 
honestly, they have three six foot kids. Other than that, the rest of the team is six four or taller. So I mean, they got length, they got size, which you know, which we're thinking. Obviously, we have the ability to you know step up a notch against teams like that. But I don't think this is a slouch game at all. No matter where they're picked or where they're whatever, it's a game. Obviously, you expect to win on the opening night and stuff, but it will be a test. I think just in terms of that size and having a little bit of talent. So that's one thing. Obviously, we always look at what they did before, but since this is the opener, all we know is their personnel. They have a lot of new faces, a lot of returning guys. Uh, and then it's ironic because we remember obviously playing, uh, and we talked about Ben Harvey is apparently on this staff or he's working like in in here. We might see him in Carbon. I don't know if he travels with the team. I forgot what his official uh, – you know, thing was that he was working with them. But uh, the irony there, then we mentioned Cash formerly being on there and playing them last year. It's just we obviously would expect to not turn it over as much and not – especially with these exhibitions. You know, last year we had our exhibitions against the teams and we just played like we didn't know how to play basketball last year at times. So hoping that won't be the case this year with the warm-up games that we had. And that's what – that's all Brian was talking about with those warm-up games leading up to Little Rock. That was important because it's a, definitely a team that could come in here and upset you. It's just a matter of playing a certain way and making sure, obviously, that doesn't happen. But I mentioned the size, and they got some talent. So uh, we mentioned – and know we always say, like, predictions for football. There's, like, a spread or there's something. We don't know any of that now. And usually we would have interviews. We might have some player interviews over the weekend, and obviously Brian – uh, you know, at some point, but we're doing this like three or four days ahead of time. This won't be the case all year, depending upon what happens. Anything can happen with, you know, uh, you know, us being busy that something like that could happen, but don't count on it. So we're doing it a little early. So we don't have like the full information of coverage of the team from the, or from Little Rock, from our team itself. So uh, outside of that, obviously we do, do not know a spread or anything. No, if you were to just predict it off the, off the rip here and then give me, one dog because we know in football you can have one on both sides we can maybe do two but stick with one dog in the game you think in this one yeah obviously a spread um i was just trying to think off the top of my head what it was last year but i don't remember but i would say we'd be at least i'd say a six seven point favorite at home um start the year um maybe even more than that because if you just base it off ken palm if they're at 310 we're um in the 90s it I would like to say it would be hopefully around 10, um, but I'd say that around six and a half is a pretty solid number. Um, but, yeah, a quick dog into the game. Um, obviously, you want to depend on what happens, but I'm going to go with the start of the year. I like to see when I saw he finished strong in the, the scrimmage game against Alabama in the exhibition. Um, I'm going to see – I want to see Foster Wonders get going here. Um, He's got it. He can shoot it better than anybody in the Valley. I would put my money on him against anybody in the Valley. Uh, home game, I expect him to get some minutes early, knocks down some big threes. Um, like to see Foster get going early. That's a great one. And uh, just thinking about how and this is, and you, you mentioned the spread because of the analytics in that regard, if they go by that, which I'm sure they probably will. As you mentioned, I can see it being over 10 just for that reason alone, even though whether that should be the case. It's a lot easier to predict because you score three, six, or seven and whatever points at a time in football. It's a lot harder to get like a full number for this. Uh, I'd say it could be over 10. It's a wait and see just because the analytics, if they follow that and stuff. But it's tough to pick 
good dog of the game. Honestly, you could pick guys off the Alabama game that struggled that, you know, could be like I want to pick Jawan to score more than one point, Xavier to score more than two, not get in foul trouble. Marcus have a better, you know, start to this one, like he, you know, whatever in the second half. I'll go with AJ because if he's scoring against them and just knowing that they have size, Little Rock does, we'll need to match that on the wing. Whenever he gets in the game, you never know. He could play a little bit more than 15 minutes in this one. And if he's scoring, I like I, – I'm, I'm just really interested in him the rest of the way. If he's showing this early, what he could be for us. You can go with anybody. Hoping J.D. can play in this game. Uh, you never know. Lance can be healthy going into it. Like I said, all the new guys, other new guys to bounce back per se. And I love your foster pick. Dalton continuing what he's doing. Trent. And just the typical stuff we know and just carry over from these quality exhibition games. That's that's the bottom line. And a quick quote here that Brian said a couple of days ago, we need to pack band Terrace Center on November 7th versus Little Rock when the arena is full. It is by far one of the best venues in college basketball. Nothing will be better than opening up the 110th season of SIU basketball than with a packed dog pound and an electric atmosphere. And then we mentioned how before, uh, the dog pound's given out. It's like a mar- it's a maroon out, but they're giving out Fear the Pound shirts to the first 2,000 students, and they're doing a free tuition. I can count on a lot of students because, you no, know, we mentioned people are kind of focusing on basketball now. It depends how football ends. And and that's sad that people would, you know, give up on football when, you know, but, you know, they dug themselves a hole in terms of you want to care for it, but basketball, this is a basketball school. So that is what it is. So with all that being said, no, give me your final thoughts. Yeah, obviously. Um, kicking off here, um, opening up basketball season, like you said, football has found itself in a hole. Doesn't doesn't got a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks, but um, it's exciting basketball. Um, love covering it. Excited to open up, get some revenge against a Little Rock team that got us last year opening up the season. Um, we didn't think it would happen that way, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I want to see how guys play, obviously, with our picks. Um, we got two guys that, with our dogs of the game, got two guys that we're really, really excited for. Obviously, you know, we, we expect Adam Marcus and and Trent and Lance, um, the three guys that have been here the longest, excited for the new guys. Um, hopefully, it is packed. Get the new guys a first taste of the Ben Terrace a rocket um, because totally, totally agree with Brian when it's, when if it's rocking, it's one of the best, um, not only in the Valley, but in the country. So excited for it. Hopefully Monday night's a little weird to have an opener, but that's when college basketball, everybody's opening up. So um, excited for it. Can't wait to get here. Um, got a couple days to get through before it gets here. I'm beyond excited. I'm excited to see these guys in person, see the hype, the preseason hype, see all these guys mesh together. And yeah, we know Ben Terra when it's when it's for, you know, people, you know, get in, you know, you know, relatively late to the game, but people are focused on this, I think. And people do cheer loud, they boo loud. We're talking about Missouri Valley refs. Hopefully they don't rip us right off the bat. And just it's just so exciting that it's it's finally here. Because remember how we took a five year absence or five five year, five month absence on this podcast, uh, knowing that, you know, we would just put everything off until it got here. And now that it is here and in just a matter of days. Uh, and that's why we're coming to you guys early with the news we said for plans this weekend. But and we'll retweet interviews that they have interested. Like I said, player interviews will be interesting and all of that. 
You're right. Monday is a weird day, but everybody is starting. It'll be an amazing Monday night for basketball. Kind of trying to avoid football, even though we know like Monday night football gets a big whatever, but basketball does not care. People will be all over that. Looking forward to it beyond excited. So whenever we talk to you guys again, hopefully we can talk about a lot of good takeaways in this game. A game can't be perfect, especially right off the bat. Expect some like sluggish play maybe, but like I said, the exhibition set us up well. That's why I'm confident going into this game. Looking forward to discussing it with you guys around Tuesday or Wednesday of next week, knowing that Oklahoma State will be right around the corner. And we will, like I said, merge those two episodes together with all of that. Keep up with our coverage on our Dogs Basketball Twitter for retweets, interviews, and stuff throughout the game on that day. Looking forward to it. So, for Nate Malone. No alerts. Until next time, go dogs.